0: Uh, We've been in this series that we've called The Jesus Method. And it's, it's a way to live our lives. It's a way to show kindness. It's a way to show love to others by walking this world, by living our lives the way that Jesus did. Now, Jesus had a mission in mind. His goal is to reconcile people back to our Father God. So if God's on this side of the cliff, or this side of the canyon, and we're standing on the other side of the canyon, Jesus is the cross that stands in between for us to be able to cross that canyon to get to our Father God. Jesus said in the book of John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And today I'm so grateful that the way that we respond to God is through his love for us, without Him, there's no other way to get to heaven, and I'm grateful today for the love of Jesus. And I pray that as we get to the end of our message today, you'll have a little bit more of an understanding of who Jesus is, and you'll have a little bit more of an understanding our place in His world. I mentioned a few times in our songs and our speaking today that God has created us, that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and I believe that full well. Uh, in the middle of our series, we started talking about how God was specific in the people that He chose. I also mentioned that the people that He chose, not only was He specific with those who were willing to follow Him, but He was also intentional to never leave them. Even when He left His earth, He said, I will send you a comforter, a helper, the Holy Spirit who will always be with you. Last week for Thanksgiving Sunday, we talked about how Jesus, in response to his great love for his disciples, one of the things that he... was, was looking for was obedience. And it wasn't a mandate. It wasn't a law saying you have to do this. You have to follow these rules and do that. It was a willingness to say, God, we want to follow you with everything that we have. And so here are the things that we're going to do. We're going to do the things that Jesus does because of his great love for us. We can't help but want to know him more. And so we're going to do things his way. And one of the lines that we ended the service with last week was, may I show my thankfulness, may I show my gratitude by living a life which is pleasing to him. May I show my gratitude by living a life that is pleasing to him. We show gratitude to Father God by following his commands. And one of the greatest commands that he gave to us was, love one another. Somebody say love one another. Even if they hate you, what is the command? Even if they look ugly. Even if they're smelly. Even if they look like Pastor Gary. This is the Jesus method. His love was poured out for all people. Man, woman, old, young, doesn't matter. Culture, love was poured out for all people. And his greatest command was love one another. Why the Jesus method? I've asked myself this question um, because here's here's the reality: the enemy does not care what you believe. All right, you 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 are free to believe whatever you want. The enemy doesn't care what you believe. What he cares about is what you do. All right? Nobody really cares about what you believe if the actions don't follow your belief. You know what I'm saying? So I could say I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs, all that I want, and I can tell Corey, he's wearing the hat today, I'm a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan, but if I never watched a game, if I never, no one can go to a game, you can't get in there anyway, but if I never watched a game, never looked up stats online, never put on the jersey or the hat, how would you know? You wouldn't really believe me if I said I was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I am loosely a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. If they are playing a game, I will cheer for them to win. But I don't intentionally watch a game. That's just for the record. That way I can cheer for all the teams and make everybody happy. But you can't serve two masters. Anybody know that's true? Bottom line is, is nobody cares what you believe. They care what you do. Right? And if your beliefs don't line up with your actions, we got a bit of a problem. And so we want to do things in a way that shows love to one another, but also holds true to the words and the commands of Jesus as well. And so one of the ways we do that is by imparting godly wisdom. Somebody say the word impart. Impartation. How do we convince the world, how can I convince you that what I'm about to share with you this morning is true? How do we convince the world that the gospel message that we talk about is true? The good news message. The good news is simply this the gospel, when I say it, is this. The gospel is God reconciling people back to Him through Jesus Christ. It's God restoring the world back to Him through Jesus. That's the basic, simplest form of the gospel message you could say. How do we convince people that that's true? How do we convince ourselves? How are you and I convinced that God truly wants to give me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance? How do I know it's true that God really does want to restore physically the earth that we stand on? Especially when we see crazy things like climate change and crazy earthly events that take place. How do we believe these things to be true that God actually wants this place to be a little bit better than how we found it? How do we convince people that that's true? How do we tell neighbors that Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life? And as we just shared a few minutes ago, we talked about dedication. How do we communicate to our children? And this is one that I think I get challenged with quite a bit. It challenges me in my faith. It challenges me as a father. God, how do my kids get to know you better? How can I see my kids engage with you better? I don't want them to do things for the sake of doing them. I don't want them to do them because I do them. But the fact of the matter is, is that when the kids watch me worship, when the kids see me open my Bible, when the kids see me pray, that was a good one. That was a good slip. That could have been, that could have been epic. Right? Because kids will replicate what mom and dad do. Right? Kids do what parents do. How do we share this news that Jesus is everything with our children? Well, we do it the same way that Jesus convinced his followers, his disciples, that those who were devoted to following him, that he truly was the Son of God. Do you think it was through miracles? Those are pretty amazing things that he did. We did a series this summer on the four messianic miracles, the miracles that nobody else could perform, only Jesus. Those are some incredible things, like raise somebody from the dead that has been dead for four days. That's an incredible messianic miracle. Only the Messiah could do it. Was that how he convinced them that he was true? It start, It was a start, it was a help. It wasn't through wealth or political power. You can't buy loyalty because somebody else will just pay a higher price. And at the end of the day, money really doesn't fulfill anyway. Power doesn't really fulfill you anyway. So you can't convince somebody through, through rules or regulations or power or wealth. He didn't buy his loyalty Jesus convinced his followers that he truly was the Son of God. He convinced his followers that God really cared about them. Jesus convinced his followers by demonstrating his love for them. This demonstration of love through the work of his disciples was to be the way the world would know that the good news was true, that God was real, and that God actually cared. And how is this truth communicated to us today? The answer is the same thing. The answer is love. Now you've heard me preach about love before, if you've been around for a while, and you know how many. How many here are Beatles fans? Anybody? So, what do the Beatles sing? All you need is. There you go. Nice. All you need is. You got it. Okay. You can only convince someone that the gospel the goodness is true by first I believe experiencing the love of God personally. By experiencing the very presence of Jesus for yourself. You know, we may, uh, I'm not going to boast or brag or anything, but, you know, there may be moments where we seem to put on a good show. We might sing a song really well, and you might go, hey, I really like that they're doing Kids Camp. I really like that the church down the road is doing all this cool stuff. And, and that's all fine and good. It's, it's one of the ways that we love. It's one of our, part of our processes to communicate the truth. But until you have a personal encounter with Jesus, it's really hard to believe this stuff. Because you don't know you're loved until you have that encounter. It's kind of like meeting somebody online. If you've ever done the online dating thing, I've never done that. I've done long distance relationships, but never met my significant other online. But you really don't make some firm commitments until you see that person face to face. Right? Like you're not going to, you might even get engaged, but you're not going to walk down the aisle until you meet that person face to face. It's kind of the same thing with Jesus. We might have many moments and learn all about him. We may know all the stories about him. We may even see some of the results all about him. But until we have that personal encounter with Jesus, it's really hard to know the truth. And that's my prayer, is that we would create opportunities as a church on Sunday mornings throughout the week where you could experience the presence and even the power of Jesus. That you would have the opportunity to know that he is real. There's a Great old verse and, of course, another old song, that they'll know we are Christians by our love. The song sound itself sounds rather depressing and dark. I don't know why. It's supposed to be a pretty joyous song, but every version I've heard it has been really slow and boring and monotone and kind of scary and dark. It's like this is a joyous song, that they'll know we are Christians by your love. Now, I know we have a couple parents in the room. Uh, For all of you parents in the room, I'm gonna ask you this question. I really hope the answer is yes. But how many of you parents love your kids? Okay, let me make it easy for you. How many parents love your kids on their best day? (laughs) On their best days, I even like my kids. But there are moments, right, they drive us absolutely crazy. (laughs) Now, now for some of you parents with grown-up children, have your kids always done what you wanted them to? You don't have to answer this question if your old adult kids are in the room. But the reality is, have your children made decisions that you wish they didn't make? I'm not looking at anybody when I say this. The answer is probably yes. But out of those questions, would you say, in your, as, as, as being unbiased as possible, as adult parents especially, do your kids know they're loved? I love you, buddy. I like your airplane, too. That's why, I call it unconditional. That's why it's called unconditional love. The truth is, is that all, not all parents are like that, right? Not all parents have shown unconditional love. And that's sad and heartbreaking. Now, those same parents probably have really difficult kids as well. I know that as a son, I can be really difficult. I saw my mom was watching online earlier and when we were doing the kids moment. I popped up our our Facebook online and saw that my mom was watching. So if you're still watching, mom, I'm sorry. Drive you crazy. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I had a few chores around the house that I had to do. Now, chores is something that nobody likes to do. But once you actually experience doing chores, it feels so good when your parents do them for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Isn't it nice knowing that the chores are done for you? Now, if you never did chores, you missed out, okay? Um, Maybe now you have a home of yourself. Maybe you have kids yourself, and you realize just how much your parents have sacrificed for you. You realize when you get a life of your own how much your parents really gave for you. And every time you do something in your home, every time you pick up that piece of laundry, load or unload the dishwasher, wash the dishes, whatever the case may be, mow the lawn, take out the garbage. It sounds like yesterday in my house, by the way. Every time you do those things, you are showing your family love. Every time you do these things in your home, we actually pass on a truth to our children. Now, if we don't involve our kids in our everyday life and our chores, they're actually missing out, I believe. They're actually missing out on your love, just a little bit. You know, they don't want to do chores. Every morning, I'm going to not talk about my kids, but we we have a list on the wall of everything they have to do from the time they get up to the time we go to school. Make your bed, get dressed for the day, unload the dishwasher, read a book. And every morning, you can already hear them talking about how excited they are tomorrow morning to get up for school. Guess what my wife or I have to do every morning? Guess what question we have to ask our kids every morning? Did you do your checklist? No. And what's usually the answer, Mackenzie? No. <laughs> Almost every time, right? We have to remind them, but we choose to involve them. Now, they don't like it, they'll fight it, they'll forget to do it every time, but they're learning values values of hard work, consistency, teamwork, values of respect, and values of authority. And even though he's not listening to me right now, even values of obedience. Oh, he's kind of going. But by including them in your process, you are imparting in them these values. You are imparting in them a healthy way to live their lives. This was Jesus' method and all that he did with his disciples. Everything that Jesus did, he never did it alone. He included his disciples to join him. Everywhere he walked, the disciples walked. Everything he ate, the disciples ate. Every time he did something, he included them one way or another. This was his method. Just as our kids can only do what we give them the opportunity to do. The only way the disciples could know that they were called to do what the master wanted them to do was to have him impart his wisdom, teaching, and power to them. The only way that they could do what they were called to do was Jesus giving them the power and the authority to do those things. If he never trained, if he never taught, if he never included them, they would have no idea of what their next step was. They would never be able to fulfill their purpose. John 3, 3-9 tells us that if we are to begin to live as Christ, we must be born again, adopted into his family. The very first step of doing the things that God wants us to do, the very first thing we have to do is have an experience and encounter with him. Say so that you are real. Our corrupted human nature must be regenerated, reborn by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit is who sustains us and nourishes us and transforms our life. If we want to be a better person, if we want to see the world become a better place, we ourselves have to have a moment of transformation. If we say to ourselves, I wish that people would recycle more and we don't take out the recycling ourselves and we just brought everything to the dump, we're not playing our part we really haven't changed. We really haven't been transformed. If we say one thing and do another, we really haven't been transformed. Now, some of us are learning, like, it's kinda like, don't jump off that bridge, you're gonna get hurt, and yet sometimes you just wanna jump off the bridge because everybody else does. We have to learn things the hard way. You know, I remember talking to parents of some young adults, their kids weren't much younger than I was, honestly, but they were early, like late teens, early 20s, And then we're reading this study, this book, saying that that parents or that kids this age, like young adults, it says you know it's really not until they're like 25 when the light truly comes on in their mind because their brain is still developing, so they actually can't comprehend some of the decisions that they're making and the consequences because the light bulb hasn't fully come on. And the dad leans over to me and says, Yeah, they hit 25 and the light bulb was supposed to be on, but it kind of looks like it's just flickering sometimes. It's true. Sometimes we have a lapse in judgment. The fact is, unless we've had a moment of transformation, then nothing is ever going to change. Jesus knew and the disciples learned that if they were to continue the plan of the sharing the good news, they were going to need more than an experience. They were going to need a comforter, the Spirit of God himself. It's worth noting that the disciples that, the disciples that were called by God got to see everything. They got to experience everything. They were involved in everything that Jesus did. And so here's, here's really the, the bottom line point that I make today. One, if we want to see a change take place in our own life, especially spiritually, find somebody. You might even be able to look around this room. Find somebody that has gone through that spiritual change themselves and say, hey, can I spend some time with you? If you want to make a change in your life, just like a contractor. If you want to learn how to build a house, go spend some time with the house builder. If you want to learn how to wire your house, go spend some time with an electrician. And don't just sit and watch, say, hey, can I do that too? And just don't electrocute yourself. If you want to learn how to build a paper airplane like dad, spend some time with dad and build a paper airplane. Take it to McKinsey, please. Thank you. And once we start the process, once we start learning these new skills, once we start having this transformation take place, share it with somebody else because how many know if you ever want to learn how to do something, learn how to teach somebody else to do it. And you learn real fast. So who's going to preach next week? Anybody? Anybody else want to preach next week? You can learn a lot about the Bible. Right? If, I said to, if I said to Abby, I'm going to pick on Abby today. If I said to you, Abby, next week you're going to preach, what's, what's, what, what are you going to do this week? You're going to go home, and say say I tell you, you're going to preach on Galatians 5. What are you going to do? You're going to go home, you're going to read all of Galatians 5, probably multiple times, and multiple translations. You're probably going to call Pastor Katie and say, what can you tell me about Galatians 5? And then next week, you're going to come and you're going to share with us all about Galatians 5. And then the week after that, I'm going to come back and say, what did you learn about Galatians 5? And you will have known a lot more about Galatians 5, right? If you want to get better at something, if you want to do more of something... Teach it to somebody else. This was Jesus' method. This is how he imparted his knowledge and his wisdom and his truth and his power. He gave people the opportunity. He gave people the opportunity to fail because failure is a part of learning, failure is a part of growing. I started today, usually I start my message with a verse from the Bible. Today I'm ending the message with a verse from the Bible, from the book of Galatians chapter 5, just to give Abby a head start this morning. <laughs> Galatians 5.16 says, So I walk by the Spirit, so you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.22-25 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit... All the things that Jesus imparted to his followers and he imparts to us and we impart to other people. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, also known as patience. Somebody say patience. I'm not a patient person, by the way. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, since we have been transformed, let us continue to be transformed and let us transform. Our lives, my life is significantly different since I chose to follow Jesus. There's great changes that have taken place in my life, and I'm not even the same person I was last week because this process is ongoing, never-ending. Other people's lives are better because my life has been changed. My life is better when I see your life transformed. I learn something more about Jesus when I see new people come to faith in him. I learned something more about God when I see him move in someone else's life. It really is a miracle. So let me pray for you today as we take this step of faith, and I'm going to invite you to do that with me in a second. So if you would just go ahead and just bow your heads and close your eyes, just as a sign of, of respect today, a sign of reverence, but also just to bring peace to this moment. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to be with us here on this earth. Jesus, I thank you for becoming one of us so that you would know the struggles that we face. Lord, I thank you for taking on the burden of humanity to know what it's like to live separate from your father. But God, I also thank, I thank you today for sending Jesus to not just experience what we experience, but God, I also am thankful today for your son, for showing us how to live by the Spirit. Lord, so that we would follow your ways above our ways, so that we could have a life and live a life that truly matters and makes a difference in this world. God, I pray, Lord, that as we've gathered here in this place, I pray that we have had a moment, Lord, to increase our understanding and our knowledge, but I also pray that, we would have, that we've had a moment to even just experience being close to God today. And so in this moment, I would ask any of you in this room if you would like to take a moment and just reflect on your life and say, God, I want, I want more of you in my life. I want to know more about you. I want to experience this change, this transformation, Lord, so that I can be fulfilled in my calling and purpose in life. God, would you look and meet with me in this moment so that, Lord, I would know what is true and what is not. God, would you open my eyes to see and experience, oh God, your love in a way that I've never experienced it before. If that's your prayer this morning, I just encourage you just to say a little moment in God. All you've got to say to him now in this moment is, God, I want to experience your love in a way that I never have before. This is something that's very personal, really, between you and God. We celebrate it corporately. We celebrate it together. But the decision lies between you and God. And so this is your moment. If your eyes are closed, your head is bowed, you have the opportunity right now to say, God, I want to experience your love in a way that I never have before. And that really is the first step of transformation. If you're online, I invite you to do the same thing today. Take a moment, wherever you're watching from, just even you can still close your eyes and say, God, may I experience your love in a way that I never have before. And if out of that prayer you've experienced something new and you feel a desire that you want to be a part of God's family, if you want to follow him, I make the next step really easy for you. And maybe you're not ready to make that decision today. Maybe it'll take a little bit we made it really easy. We want you to make that decision, and we want you to tell somebody, hey, I want to know more. You know, I, I, I want to follow this Jesus because he made the life of disciples matter. He makes my life matter, and I want him to make my life matter. If you want to make that decision today, we want you to tell somebody, and the best way you can communicate that to us is our website. We make it useful for everything, Follow." and tells you all about following Jesus. Fills out your name, tells us your story, and say, I want to make this decision. I want to follow Jesus. It's an intimate way to keep it between you and God and our pastors, and then we can celebrate together. But today, I pray that you have experienced the grace, the mercy, the love, and the power of transformation. So God, today, as you imparted wisdom on your disciples, on your followers, Lord, as you gave them the authority and the power and opportunity to do the things that you did, oh Lord, may we never sell ourselves short that you want to use us to do the same thing. Lord, may we continually show grace and mercy and love to the world around us. And of course, Lord, the greatest of these, may we never stop loving one another. Lord, as we want to see ourselves become successful, Lord, we want to see the world around us become successful. Lord, may we never stop loving one another.